once again and stepped in and vacuumed acres of carpeting for us. And when we're all done, here we are. The chairs have to be, what do you call it? Connected. Connected. She says the best way is you crawl on it with your knee, pull up this one, push it in there, crawl to the next one. So I had started out doing it differently. I went to her method. The next two mornings when I woke up, I discovered muscles I had not used for quite a while. But at the end of all that, she goes, uh, Doug was on Wednesday, then he says, now the fun begins. I get to program it. I think he said, program it. He said, love to do that. And Ann says, well, I love to clean. We're so thankful she does. Yeah, she does a great job. And Rob Salmonson, I don't know if you're here today or not, but if, but uh, you, that was a great, great word last week. Yeah. Joyce and I saw it from the, from our home. Yeah. I had some symptoms last Sunday morning. I just did not have a peace, and that's what we've been telling everybody. If you have a peace to come, then be in church. If you don't, then don't. And so I didn't, but Joyce uh, and I were able to take part like some of you are today out there, and uh, Rob, uh, teach us to do thy will, O Lord. That's ringing around, still going around and around. I know just like you do with messages, you know. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Normal activities here on Wednesday. Thursday is National Day of Prayer. I want you to know about that, so let's be alert to that. We, of course, need to be praying for our nation every day, but National Day of Prayer on, on Thursday. Uh, 7.30, the Zoom meeting with Pastor Dean. Next Sunday is Mother's Day, and we will be receiving special offerings for Northwoods, Pregnancy Center next next week. And so whether, you know, we're here, we can put them in the boxes is where we put our tithes and offerings in the boxes on the back wall. If you're watching online, you can give, designate the offering for, um, for the Northwoods Pregnancy Center. And, uh, and then mail it, of course. I think you have all that information already, so... Okay, Kaylin Spahala had a baby girl this last week. Uh, Amora, Kate, Amora Leanne, I believe. Amora Leanne. So we congratulate Caitlin for that. And then Bob, we have Bob and Vicky have some things. So maybe both Bob and Vicky could come up here right now. Well, Bob's already up here. <laughs> okay, so we'll let Bob share, and then Vicki has something as well. So we'll do that. Good morning, church. Peter tried to tell me this. Yes. Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, man, I'm so excited I could do a happy dance. But um, we have something I just, just felt prompted to pray for. My son Ben's over in Thomasville, Georgia. They're launching a church as we speak. It was a clubhouse that turned into a church. If you want to know more information about that, it's Central Point Church in Thomasville, Georgia. But as we were praying on the way up here with our family, the Lord showed me that from 10 Strike, we're throwing anointing bombs over to Thomasville from T to T. And I just want to pray into that, just that God will just will launch them from here, those prayers. And it's, it, it's a, a territory where uh, I just believe God wants to do an awesome thing. And, and Ben is doing very well. He's just really enjoying it. So i just like to pray if that's all right for that. But 
Father, I just thank you for this day. Father, I thank you, Lord, for each one that's here. Father, I ask, Lord God, in Jesus' name, Lord, that we just launch in the spirit, Father God, the prayers into this place, Father God. Father, where it used to be an old club and all kinds of sin and things that were going on there, Father God, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, Lord, that it would break it in Jesus' name. Lord, that people be set free, even right now, as I believe there's altar time, and people are being set free and saved in the name of Jesus. And even at four o'clock today, when they come into the center of the city when they do a park event and an open event, Father God. We ask, Lord God, that you would move with your angels and you would go before them and that you would just be the the guide for them in Jesus' name. Father, thank you, Lord, for the anointing that rests on on my son and Emmanuel and Bonnie and their family. We just cover them with the blood of Jesus. Father, we connect, Father God, from T to T. Father, from 10th Strike to Thomasville, Georgia. Father, I thank you, Lord, it was Dennis Thomas was the pastor that encouraged me to come up here, Father God. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, that our life, Father God, you, we can see there's streams that, that it seems like our life fits together, Father, for your good and for your glory. And Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that you're launching, Father, from this place. Father, Father, we've launched many areas in all over Jamaica and all over this world, Father God. There's been people that have been sent forth from this church. And Father, we thank you for that prayer covering over them. In Jesus' name, amen. And maybe I'll have you show the video, and then, then I'll just share a couple closing things. opinions, issues, and agendas. There is a Hi, my name is Juan Rivera, and I'm a member of the March for Jesus USA team. In a day when followers of Jesus Christ are being polarized by many opinions, issues, and agendas, there is a wonderful truth that unites us, upon which we can all agree Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Creator and the Sustainer of all things. On May 22nd, 2021, which is Pentecost weekend, we will march for Jesus in cities, towns, and villages everywhere. The march for Jesus is a procession of praise through the streets of the city to celebrate Jesus Christ. We know there are many causes and crises that deserve our attention and there is a proper time for public protest and visible demonstration. But the March for Jesus is not about protest. It's about proclamation. It's not about demonstration. It's about citywide celebration. The March is a worship experience bringing the body of Christ together as one. Due to differing COVID restrictions from city to city and region to region, the March will look different from place to place. Some communities will be able to have traditional marches. Others may only be able to go out two by two, while still others may have to go virtual. Regardless, it is our hope that on Saturday, May 22nd, Christ followers everywhere will gather publicly, privately, and virtually to celebrate Jesus Christ for all he is worth. Thank you for your time, and please prayerfully consider organizing or joining a March for Jesus in your city. Amen. We're excited about that. If you'd like to hear more information on that, this Thursday at the First Baptist Church at 6 p.m., April 6th, 6 p.m. So that'll be easy to remember, 6-6. May. Sorry, wow. I gained a, I lost a month. <laughs> this happens when you have a birthday. I just got to share, in closing, I was with about 40 bikers yesterday with a Christian Motorcycle Association. So if anybody's hearing this, likes to do some riding this summer, and some Christian groups uh, see me afterwards, too, about both of these. So here you go, Vicki. Well, as a family, we are going to be gaining a daughter-in-law. Um, Josiah is getting married, for those of you who haven't heard, to a young lady named Mandy Nicholas. And we are very excited to welcome her to our family. This, um, not... This coming Tuesday, but the next Tuesday on May 11, we're going to have a bridal shower here at the church for Mandy at 
6.30. So that's May 11, 6.30, here at the church on Tuesday evening. And so just inviting all the ladies to come and join us to celebrate um, Josiah and Mandy's upcoming wedding. So thank you. You can stay here with me. Peter and Lene, you can get, go up and get ready. Um, I'm going to have... And Mandy's from Connecticut, right? Mandy is from Connecticut, Connecticut. right? Yeah, yeah, so she's... Um, I'm going to have Vicki lead us in prayer for um, Eldon, who is Angie Modry's father. But I'm just going to read this so you kind of have a handle on what we're going to pray about here. Um, Angie says, Dan and I are going to have church with my dad this morning at the hospital and spend time with him. Um, maybe they're even watching this morning. Not sure about that. But we have prayer requests we would appreciate being shared with our church family. Um, our, her father broke his hip a few days ago. And uh, she says, my dad's Parkinson's has really kicked in after the surgery for the hip. He was progressing slowly, then last night he regressed quickly. Uh, please join us to pray for clarity in mind, for his extremities to start to function as they should, and for the fortitude and strength to accomplish the rehabilitation he needs to do. Agree with, with us that he has the mind of Christ and that Jesus has bore every sickness and disease for wholeness in his body, and he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Thank you so much to each and every one of you who have been upholding my dad and my family in prayer. We have felt them all and love you all, Dan and Angie, Angie and Dan. And then this, that was last night. This morning there was another text. She says, um, this morning, an up, update, my dad aspirated food into his lungs and they are treating him now for pneumonia. Please pray for God's protection over him and clearing of his lungs in Jesus' name. So let's pray together and Vicki's going to lead us in that here. Thank you, Father. Lord, we bring Eldon before you right now, Angie's dad. Lord God, we thank you that you love him so very much. And Lord, we ask for your attending angels to minister to him right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that he would be able to just sense your manifest presence. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us all 2,000 years ago, Lord, at that whipping post when you... Um, took on your back um, every disease and sickness and bore it for us. And so, Lord, we're just going to thank you right now that by your stripes, Lord, that Eldon is healed, Lord, that you are his healer, Jesus. And we declare from the top of his head right down to the tips of his toes, your healing virtue, Lord, flowing through his body, Lord. We just, with eyes of faith, see your healing virtue flowing through his body in the name of Jesus. Lord, we um, thank you, Lord, for clarity of mind for him, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we just speak to his mind, his brain, um, that it will function in a way that um, will bring health to his thinking, Lord, that you would speak to him, that you would teach him, that you would instruct him, Lord, and that he would have all the clarity of thinking that he needs in the name of Jesus. We speak strength to his um, his limbs, his that his brain would um, communicate um, to his um, all of his muscles and his organs and every other part of his body that it would be um, that he would have strength in his body in the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, Lord, with eyes of faith, Lord, we just see those lungs clearing out, fluid drying up. In the name of Jesus, lungs, we just speak to you in the name of Jesus. You recover, you be well, you function as God designed you to in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God for your healing power, Lord, and for your counsel, for your help, Holy Spirit, for your wisdom for the days ahead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Amen. We are a church family, and with things like this, we, we stand together as a family. So, thank you, Lord, for your anointing on Peter and Linnea this morning. Thank you, Vicki. Oh, you need that one? I'm sorry. There you go. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. So, um, actually, I'm going to add a little announcement, too. I announced it last week as well, but another opportunity is May 15th at River City Church from 1230 to 530. Um, myself and other students, a part of a ministry school, are heading the event, and it's called Encounter Unleash Your Identities. So encourage you all to come if you'd like to, and it's going to be a lot of fun and just... So good, healing and freedom. Um, and so we also are doing the blessed life this morning, but since we have a lot of great stuff to get into, it'll be very short. But I had this thought um, in the last couple of days, we've been kind of talking about this, but the revelation of God's goodness is expanding. And I think in his abundance and his love, and I think sometimes when we can see different things going on in the world, it can be easy to focus on those things, but to realize that the revelation of how good God is, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of his love, that we are going into deeper and deeper revelations of that. And I feel like each generation keeps building upon each other in honoring each generation of old, but then also in beginning to build those like revelations and those glories that the Lord is showing us. So I think this can be applied to our finances too, that we can understand and realize that God is so abundant and our revelation of that is increasing into the more whatever we focus on is what ends up being reproduced and increases and so if we focus more and more on the goodness of God we'll end up seeing that more and more in our lives and so Lord I just pray for the tithes and offerings I just pray that we would have that revelation of how your goodness is so so much bigger than we've even tasted that we've, even as humans, just scratched the surface of how truly good you are, Lord, and how we can trust you so much because you are so abundant. And Lord, I thank you for Peter and my message today, Lord, that we would be able to speak your words, to speak your truth, and that each person here would hear exactly what you want to say to them. In Jesus' name. So, I do want to mention that part of what helped inspire this message is this book that I had been going through. This is one of the books I've been going through in my school. It's called Apprehended Identity, Taking Back What Was Stolen um, by Chris Gore. Um, this actually is a little book that he wrote, like like six months ago, I think. It was, and it was in a matter of, um, like, it was something the Lord had put on his heart for 20 years, but it was the time, and because of the COVID season, he had the time to just write it, and, and it's just, it's definitely recommend it. It's a wonderful book, but I did want to give credit to that because that's kind of what stirred on the conversation between Peter and I, and he's read some of it too in preparation for this, so I wanted to mention that. Um, but our, actually maybe I shouldn't give our message title yet because I think we'll answer, <laughs> answer that question. So um, some things to think about, and I think oftentimes, at least for myself, I think about this. Do we really believe we're righteous? Do we really understand that our identity is in Christ or what that even means for us? 
do we have two natures that are battling against each other? Are we sinners saved by grace or are we saints? Can we truly live a sin-free life? Is life about fighting the flesh or about living in the spirit? Is our natural inclination to sin or are we prone to righteousness? These are all questions that I've had myself. I don't know if you guys have, but I'm guessing many of us have had some of those questions and some of those battles in our mind of understanding the balance between fighting the flesh or living in the spirit or what that means and how um, to even do that. So we're going to dig into that a little bit. And again, this is something hours and hours and hours and hours of digging into, and I feel like we have even our lifetime to dig into. So this is just like a little snapshot of what this topic entails. But do you want to continue here? Oh, yeah, so the kind of the heart of where we want to go with this message is this realization and revelation that before Jesus, sin is external, or sin is internal, and his presence was external. It was out here. But then after we receive Jesus, there is this exchange. I know Steve's talked about this, uh, that great exchange where his presence is now in us, and sin becomes external. So we want to dive in and explain that a little bit more. So obviously we kind of want to start out a little bit with talking about um, the very nature of what is sin, right? Is usually kind of the first question we sort of like to ask, right? It's like, all right, we use this word sin, it's in the Bible over and over again, but what do we actually mean by that? Um, and I think a lot of us have heard this phrase, it's like, all right, in the Greek, uh, sin means um, to miss the mark, right? We've heard that before. And the, uh, the metaphor there is, right, the edif- uh, is the metaphor of, of firing a bow, right? You're, you're trying to hit something and you miss. Um, and obviously that's, that's a verb, that's something you do, right? And we kind of understand sinning is something that you go out and you do. You, you do something wrong, that's what we call sinning. Um, but what we want to point out today is, is something that sometimes we can miss at times when we're you know, reading our, our English translated Bible, is that just as often, if not even more often, the word sin is actually a noun. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, uh, and something that Chris Gore points out is it's often personified. It's, it's not just an inanimate object. It's, it's a personality. It's, a, it's often a spirit of some kind, right? Um, should I go into this? Well, How do you can, want to talk about Yeah. So <laughs> with this, picturing it as a noun, and, and that's something that he goes into in quite some detail um, with dif- different scriptures, and we'll go into some of them here. But with it being a noun, oftentimes <clears throat> we can then see sin as like a person or a creature or something that really the devil. (laughs) The sin is the devil and it's outside of us. So kind of an example is a few weeks ago, excuse me, there there was something that I was battling with just this this fear and it's actually a fear I had had for quite some time and we just decided to kind of sit down and talk and tackle it maybe and I was like no like I like this fear is not going away it's I I don't think I could ever not think this way and so Peter kind of helped me walk through like well let's ask the Lord what does that fear look like And I saw this picture of almost kind of like, you know, kind of like shadow puppets, but not quite. But I was in this area, and there was this huge shadow of like this monster-looking thing. And 
But then when I looked over, I realized there was this projector that this tiny little creature was standing in front of to project itself as like this big, scary, like giant that was way bigger than me. And the reality is fear feels very real. Sin is very real. But when oftentimes it lies to us and makes it us think that it's so much bigger than it really is because what it, the biggest goal of sin and of the devil is to make us not remember who we are in Christ. Because if we know who we are in Christ, then we have a lot more power than the sin that's outside of us. Right. And just to reiterate that, I think it's, it's an important thing, and it's one of the biggest takeaways I think we've in just thinking about this is that sometimes we, we get this idea that the main way that sin gets into our lives is by in trying to get us to do bad things. Like, oh, I want to do bad things, and that's how sin uh, it runs my life, right? Uh, but I think the thing we're discovering is that the main way sin operates is really by telling us um, to look another way. It's, it's like that shadow puppet. We're always busy trying to figure out how to fix ourselves, when really, if we actually saw sin for what it is, <laughs> we, would, we would recognize that we could actually do something about it, that we actually have authority and power over it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that more too. But, um, and just kind of you know, finishing off here, just talking about what sin is, I think a good verse to look at, um, if we could pull up Genesis 4-7, um, it's always, it's important in the Bible. The Bible makes really important, uh, usually makes important statements when you come to the first time something is mentioned. Um, usually, if you look at the beginning of a book in the Bible, if you look at the, the first verses of a section, um, you usually find really important um, concepts or precepts, ideas, that are being sort of laid out as the groundwork. Um, and so, here in Genesis 4-7, you find the first mention of the word sin. This is the first time the word sin is used, and this is how it's characterized. Um, and uh, this is part of a story, uh, I think hopefully most of us know this story. Um, it's the story of Cain, who we know is the, you know, oh, Cain, he's the murderer, right? He murdered his brother. Um, and, just be, and as Cain is contemplating um, murder in his heart, God comes and speaks to Cain. Um, and this is what he says. He says, if you do well, and that word well there is just do what is pleasing, what is good, what is right. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Will you not be approved? <laughs> but if you do not do well, if you do not do what is pleasing, good and right, then sin is crouching, it says. And that word crouching is, in part, is a particular word used for animal, something that is on all fours. It's, it's waiting like an animal, crouching at your door. It's desire, and that word desire is a word that means longing, it's craving. And again, it's a word that's specifically used for um, what a, an animal will feel when it wants to devour you. Um, so its desire is for you. Um, but you must or should rule and reign over it. <laughs> and that rule means reign. That word rule means reign, have dominion, take authority over it. So the picture here that God speaks, um, and remember Cain is, he's, He's a representative of, of all mankind. He's one of the first people on earth. This is one of the first, this is the first instance where sin has entered into the human story. And what does God say about it? It says it's like a creature out there waiting for you, and it's hungry, and it's animal. It's like it, it's an animal. It's not even, um, sometimes, you know, we're talking about like it's a noun, it's, it's, it's something. We want to think it's like, sin's like a clever man who's smarter than you, and he's going to beat you every time at, at, the, at the game of chess, the the. The, game, the life game of chess, sin's trying to beat you and it's smarter than you. It's, it's like an animal. Its only desire is to, is to eat you up. It's to gobble it up. It's not, um, it's not too complicated. <laughs> it's, it's just trying to get you <laughs> in the simplest way possible. But you must and you should. <laughs> you have the power to reign over it. And we're, he's talking to Cain here. He's, this, this is someone who's living before the revelation of the Spirit even. And he's saying that the the goal of the, the purpose of mankind, mankind has the ability to rule and reign over the creature of sin. It has a choice, <laughs> even here at the very first instance. 
Yeah, and so we'll go into kind of what our relationship with sin is then. How, how can we rule over it? How can we understand that it's like this animal out here and it's not necessarily this animal in here? So we've been talking about how sin is an external force and not an internal force. So for example, I think oftentimes when we have a thought that comes into our mind, we automatically think, oh, that's mine, that's mine. Or how often have we said, oh, well, this is just my tendency of sin. Or this is something I just struggle with. Or, oh, this is just, you know, this is just the way I am. And the reality is it really is this, the devil, this animal, whispering into your ear something that is contrary to who you really are as a believer. And so we have the choice to partner with that or to partner with who, we, who God created us to be and who we are in Christ. So another example is then you might think, okay, well, if sin is out here, then I'm just going to treat all these actions as the sin itself. So an example is... Um, and we've talked to my parents about this and just kind of like many years ago, um, certain things like drums or dancing or um, like in the church wasn't necessarily allowed. Like there was a certain level of legalism at certain times and I think can still be prevalent today. Um, but I think we're, we're coming to the point where we realize oh, it's not drums that are sinful. <laughs> it's the spirit that the person partners with when they do an action. It's not dancing that's evil. It's the spirit that whispers into their ear to partner with, and then that action comes out of the thoughts and beliefs that they are partnering with. Um, so I believe that sin can no longer separate because God is in us, even if sin is on us. So we didn't die to the ability to sin. We died to the control of sin over our lives. Um, so if, if we do partner with sin, it can cloud our thinking, which in turn affects our behavior in living out what is already in us. So when we do decide to make friendship with those things, with those whisperings, with those lies, then oftentimes it can cloud and take the focus off. It can look like this big creature, and we're focusing on that or focusing on trying to get rid of it all of these things instead of the abundance of who God is and who he is in us. Um, but now, the exciting part is we now have the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin because it's no longer a reflection of who we are. So if you think about oftentimes in the past when I've thought, well, I just, I, I just get angry easily. I just get really irritable easily. And so if that would happen, I would just let that action feed the belief that that was who I was. And so the more that I've begun to say, oh, I recognize you for who you are. I recognize that spirit whispering to me, trying to bring me down a familiar path of Oh, you, you're just angry at this. You need to snap at this. And feeling angry isn't sin. We know that from Scripture. But that partnership with the Spirit that causes strife or dissension is. And so when I realize, no, this is who I'm in Christ. I carry love, joy, peace, patience. It's in me. Christ is in me then I can understand that, oh, this isn't a part of me. So, uh, 
Bring up James 1, 14 through 15. I think a good verse to look at for some of this stuff then. Um, I've just found this a verse that's really helpful to think about when it comes to thinking about some of these concepts. Um, uh, it says in James 1, 14 through 15, it says, Each one, each person, each man, each woman is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. When it, when it, the sin, is full grown, it brings forth death. Um, there's a lot of interesting things in this verse, um, these verses. First of all, um, the picture it creates, is, I think, is very interesting. And I think it goes with what we're saying here. Um, the, the picture, uh, hopefully, is obvious. The word conception, hopefully, and the word birth, um, hopefully, kind of uh, gives us a clue that this is a picture of, of, of you know, what it means to create a, a, a child, you know, the, the picture of, uh, of creating a child. So the desire here is, is like a woman, right, is the woman in the, in the picture, right? She's the one who bears the child and gives birth. Um, but we also know, hopefully, we're not learning anything right now, um, that it takes two to create something, right? It takes two things. So here, um, in the verse, it, it says that the thing that we have, the thing that we're responsible for, is, is our desires. And that word desire there actually isn't a, a negative word in the Bible. The word desire, is, it's a neutral word. It's something that you just have, that you can use for good and evil. But it's, you know, we can, we're supposed to have dreams and passions and desires in this life. If we're, if we're flat, you know, flatlining, uh, you, you're probably dead, right? <laughs> uh, if, if we're living, we, we, we're, we're going to be alive, right? We're going to be excited. We're going to be out doing things, right? Um, so it's how we use those desires is always the way the Bible uses that word, how we use them. Um, and it uses usually the specific uh, sinful desires if it wants to kind of say that those are the ways that we use our desires for negative things, right? Um, so in this, 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 these verses, our desires are the things that we have uh, responsibility for, um, but they are enticed, it says. Those desires get enticed. Um, so there's something enticing them. There's something out there. It's not our desires in of themselves that are being enticed in this verse. Um, there's another agent, right? There's something that's leading them away. Um, uh, and then there's something being conceived, right? So what's being given isn't from us. It's being given from the, I guess, you know, to put it politely, uh, the male partner in this picture of a relationship, right? Um, but it is the picture of a relationship, right? It's a picture of, of coming into um, some sort of covenant relationship with something. And in this um, image, it's the coming into a covenant relationship with an external sin. And <laughs> um, this, you know, the picture is like a man and a woman coming together and, and creating something. And what is given birth to is, is sin. And I even, I like the way it, it, it pictures it too. It's, sin is, it's, it's like a child here. It's like... Um, you know, and what we're talking about, it's like you have maybe there's things that you still believe. You become a Christian, but there might be still things that you believe that aren't quite right about the world and about yourself. You might be saying to yourself, this is just the way I am. This is just the way I behave. I don't know how to do anything different. This is just who I am. That's what we, you know, the, the lie that is, you know, existing in our lives. Uh, and so from that relationship with that idea comes certain behaviors, certain things. Um, and I think we've all met people who you know, over time, even though they, they're, they're believers, they love the Lord, there might be things in their life that, um, behaviors that have come over and over again to the point where those things have grown. That child, you know, that was once just a small idea in their lives has grown to um, something that is uh, full grown. It's, it's big, it's large, it, it sort of rules their life. Whenever you meet that person, you see their big full grown sin son that kind of walks next to them and pushes things around and does things. And the lie is that person's convinced themselves that that big grown-up son is, is, belongs to them. It's part of them. Um, but I think the, the glory, the wonder of what we're talking about here is that you don't have to take ownership of that thing. You don't have to say that this is my son. You can say that this is, this is something that something was given to me that I don't have to receive. <laughs> I can put this away. I don't have to cause death and, and destruction everywhere I go. Because um, that's not who I was created to be. And I've... I've made a picture. If you could put that slide up, that the one slide, Carson. See if we get it here. There it is. Um, no real artist here. Um, but I thought this was a helpful picture to sort of uh, uh, illustrate, I guess, this concept. 
um, and something the things we're talking about. So before we receive Jesus, um, we have that sin nature, and what comes out of us is just that natural sin. Um, but when we receive the nature of Christ, that's, that's who we are. That's what's on the inside. And it's what can naturally come from us as we, we learn and we grow. It's, it's the fruit that we bear as we grow. Um, obviously, when we first become Christians, we're like a young sapling. Um, but as we're supposed to grow and learn, we become a great, you know, the picture is a tree. We become something mature that creates fruit. Um, but there are weeds in the garden, weeds that can choke us out, weeds that can convince us um, that we are the ones who are we're still sinful, right? But what's, what the sin's really coming from is just a relationship. It's the birth of a relationship with something that's outside of us. It's not a part of who we are. It's just the things in the world that we sometimes partner with, right? With that deceit like you have there. Right. When we have that connection to deceit, that's when sin can rest on us again. Not right, and I think that's the most that's the most powerful part of, of some of these things that we've been talking about, and the things that I think we're the most excited about is we can walk through life if we've convinced ourselves that sin's a part of us. We we spend our life trying to fix ourselves, right? We fi- tr- figure out trying to figure out how do I modify my behavior? How is it that I can convince myself um, that my nature is Christ, and my nature is not sin? Why do I keep sinning? Um, but when we realize that it's the, the thing, the only thing that's tying us to sin in this world is some sort of lie, it's some sort of deceit, some sort of wrong belief. And when we recognize that it's not actually who we are, that we're not actually stuck the way we are, but it's just some lie that we're believing, then that can change, can't it? That's, that's all we need is the truth to come in and to settle in our hearts, to be convinced of the truth, then, is the answer. Not to try to fix ourselves, not to try to um, figure out what's wrong with us, but only to understand the truth. And that's something you receive. It's not something you have to do or make. It's something you receive. You receive the wholeness of the truth. You let it settle in your heart, and you let it dispel the lies that connect you to whatever darknesses that are in this world. But let's ask that question. Why, why do we still often sin? Like, why does it still happen? And when Peter was talking about not taking ownership for that sin... He's talking about that identity of that being a part of who we are. However, we do need to take responsibility when we do partner with sin and to repent and to receive healing from that. Because if we allow the dart of the enemy to enter into our mind or our heart, the dart's still there unless you bring it before the Lord and have him remove that dart from you. But like I had been mentioning a couple times, it's something that is on us, (laughs) sticking out of us, if you will, instead of something that is coming from within who we are. And so then it becomes so freeing because it's something God can take off of us. That sin that so easily entangles, we can strip off of ourselves. And and so there's actually an example that I thought was really helpful that was in this book. um, Is they gave this, and this was a real life example of a situation that had happened. There was a woman who was married to an abusive husband and just horrible to her um, and would make her like not leave the house very often. She had to do very specific things, very controlling, very demanding. And this husband ended up passing away. Well, this particular lady continued to live exactly as if that husband was still alive. So she still confined herself to the house. She still did the, she cooked the meals he wanted to have cooked. She followed all the rules that he wanted her to follow, even though he wasn't alive. And so I think what can happen is as Christians, we don't realize that the abusive husband of sin, the power of sin is dead over us. And so because of all before Christ and even 
with Christ because of all the different beliefs that we've um, held on to and partnered with, we just continue living as if that abusive husband is still controlling us. And so what you would say naturally for this woman, I'm sure she would have to get counseling. She'd probably have to walk through a lot of healing processes. She'd probably have to renew her mind to how to actually live a free life, how to live without being controlled and demanded all the time. And so that is what we, we have the empowerment by grace to be able to do that, to renew our mind. But it's no longer this, oh, this is just a part of who I am and I just need to struggle myself into righteousness. This is now, I need to renew my mind of what the life that has been given to me really truly is. I want to think about, read the word, to renew my mind, to know that, and to separate myself from any idea that this sin is still in charge of me. And so that is so important. And when you think of it that way, you can, I feel like I can more easily repent when I realize, oh, if I do make a mistake, oh, I'm sorry, that that wasn't a part of who I am. <laughs> that, that wasn't something that I, I should have done. And you can take responsibility for that action and said, I made the powerful choice to partner with that sin. I wasn't being controlled by it. I wasn't forced to do it. I made that choice, and I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a choice I didn't need to make. And so I find that I feel a lot more empowered to repent and to reconcile and fix, or not fix, but like clean up some of the mess I maybe made with the Lord and with other people. And so, and another thing is, even if the Lord takes that arrow out, there might still be a wound there. So oftentimes I like to ask the Lord, what wound needs to be healed that was caused by that sin so that I'm not susceptible, so I don't have a blind spot or like a soft spot that I easily just grab back onto that sin. And so then it becomes more about a healing process, a renewal process instead of a behavior modification process. All right, we're going to look at Romans, the Romans verse 8 through 14. And I think these are just excellent verses. I'll read them out here. So now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And we might say lives to God forever, right? Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. And that word sin, that's the noun we were talking about. That's not the verb. That's the noun right there. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its sinful desires. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under, lace, under law, but under grace. And I, and I just want to point out, uh, I was looking at these verses, um, the way Paul posits this I think is really good. It doesn't say, um, um, now that you're, you're free from sin, um, if, you, if you see sin in your, in your life, you should... Um, uh, just give up. <laughs> um, oh, you sinned. Oh, too bad. That must. That obviously means that you, you didn't have God in you. You you you're done. You you're. It's impossible. Um, give up. Don't go to church anymore. Just 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 go out and sin for the rest of your life. It's you're stuck. Uh, that's not what he says. He says reckon yourselves. So it's about the way you think about yourself. It's the way that you understand your relationship to sin. 
Um, it's about what we know the truth is. <laughs> um, Paul understands here that it's, it's not always intuitive, <laughs> that he recognizes that we, are, we live under those lies, those, that understanding that, oh, um, the way the world thinks is, oh, what you do is what you are, um, but in Christ, it's, it's the other way around. Who you are becomes then what you do, because who we are is in Christ. It's in his life that he now lives. Um, and I think that's, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, so we have a, a few more verses here. Um, and we just want to maybe kind of go through them quickly, right? Uh, just to kind of show some other places uh, in the Word where, this, where we think that these things are being realized. So in Hebrews 12.1, look at that one. This is one where I think where many of us were familiar with. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely onto us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Mm-hmm. So kind of like what I was mentioning before, um, sin can rest on us. It can press on us. Sometimes we feel like we're being squeezed. And that's where repenting and releasing that to the Lord, it comes off of us. But it's almost like the Lord's, it, well, it is like the Lord is in us, and it's like, pow, <laughs> like, a, like a balloon popping or something. It's like it comes off of us. And um, so what I think is what you let rest on you is what others see. And so are you letting sin rest on you or his presence? So his presence is always in you. He abides in you, which always solidifies your identity. Your identity is that he abides in you. But what you abide in and what you choose to let clothe you is what ref- is reflected to others. So we can always rest assured that his presence is in us. But when we allow his presence to rest on us, when we clothe ourselves in compassion, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, mercy, when we allow the things that are within us to clothe us, that's what others are able to see. That's what releases those things to the people around us. Yeah, just a couple more verses here. First Peter 2.11 Uh, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, or we might even say sinful desires there again, um, which war against your soul. Something out there making war against who you are, right? Um, And obviously the things that war against your soul aren't you. It's not you warring against you. Um, It's the stuff that's out there. It's those whispers, those lies. Um, 2 Peter 1.4 Um, second Peter one four, <laughs> the other Peter. Maybe we can get that. I'll I'll read it. Um, uh, it says in second second Peter one four, he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, um, so that through them those promises that he makes to us, you may become partakers of his divine nature. The very nature of God is part of what he's extended to us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we've escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. (laughs) Um, And last, uh, Romans 6, um, 16 through 23. um, It'll kind of do a shortened version of it. I kind of skipped through it a couple of verses. Um, But it says this, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are also you are that one's slaves <laughs> whom you obey, whether you are a slave to sin that leads to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. And having you, having been set free from that sin, you have become slaves and servants of righteousness. Um, and verse 23 is, is my favorite and the one I want to focus on here a little bit. Um, For the wages, it says, of sin is death. And I think we, know, we've, we remember, we've, We've heard this before, right? But the gift of God 
is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I love that characterization, right? Because wages, um, that's something that you earn, right? You, you, you go out and you work for it. And then it, you, you're given your recompense for what you've done, right? This is, this is what you've been given for what you've done. And so sin, in this instance, is personified as, as like an employer. He's someone who's hired you to do a job, and you've done it, and this is what you get for it. And what you get out of the deal is, is just death. It's destruction. It's nothingness, right? You, you get nothing back from that relationship with sin. That business transaction is nothing. It's destruction. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. A gift. <laughs> uh, the, so the relationship there is like a father to a son. It's, it's, like, it's like someone who loves someone else. The relationship is, is one of freedom, is one of giving. You didn't earn anything in that relationship. It was something that's, that's free, that's something that's, that's lavished upon you, given that truth that we're given that, that dispels the lies of the devil and the enemy. And just kind of a question for us to ponder regarding that is, are we taking on the burdens that aren't ours only to neglect the gifts that are? I would just challenge you to think about that. And yeah, we'll skip that for now here. Um, so to conclude. Yeah. <laughs> so to answer some of the questions that we talked about in the beginning, we are no longer prone to sin as much as it may feel like it sometimes, but we are prone to righteousness. And struggle, so this may come as kind of a surprise. It did to me, at least, when I, I felt this. Um, struggle with sin is just an illusion. So when we often talk, oh, like, I'm just struggling, I'm just struggling, I'm just, well, why are we struggling? <laughs> if Jesus went to the cross to break the power of sin then what struggle is, is really just the devil trying to convince us that we, that this is who we are and that this is something we need. Oftentimes, we are susceptible to sin when we have certain needs that we aren't fulfilling in the Lord. And so, yeah, it can be difficult to renew your mind to who you are. It can be difficult to resist that sin. But the fact that we're struggling within ourselves against ourselves is, is kind of like that fear. It's something that becomes magnified so that the struggle becomes more powerful than who Christ is in us, which that isn't the truth. And so... Like we talked about before, when we do decide to partner with sin, those arrows do hurt, and we do need to repent and ask God how to reconcile the situation. But after the arrow's out, we still need to ask God to walk through healing from the wound from what that sin caused in our life towards ourselves and towards other people. And this involves renewing our mind to the truth of who he is. So just to kind of say to it's not if, or it's not when we sin, but if we sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins. And it's because, like Peter was talking about, believing lies or partnering with familiar friends if you want to call it that, not because we have us in nature. So kind of to give an example to wrap us up of this thought is um, I heard recently this picture of, in northern Minnesota, we can definitely identify with having to plow snow and how having to shovel snow and Thankfully, we're not experiencing that right now. But um, so think of these different thought paths 
as like a path of snow that you've plowed or that you've shoveled. So let's say the thought is, oh, I I'm just have a hot temper. I just have a hot temper. I just have a hot temper. Because the path is plowed, it's very easy to go down that path. It's very easy when something happens that causes us to partner with something, then it's easy to go down that path. So what we need to do is we need to turn around and start plowing a new path. Even if it's just walking down that path and it might seem really deep, it might be be difficult, it might seem even foreign at first. Like you might be like, I don't believe that I'm slow to anger. I, I don't. I like I don't even believe it. But the more that we know that that's part of who we are and we can plow that path, the more the snow fills in the other path and we have a new path that is more the natural way that the natural inclination that we go down. And I'm not we're not talking against denial because denial of sin is not it is not power over sin. It's, it's darkness in reality. And so we're not talking about denying the fact that, oh, that sin's there, or like just ignore the fact that, that the sin's on you or causing anything. But we're talking about that complete renewal, that understanding of who we are. And also the process, like I said, there's healing we're not denying that sometimes it is a process. Sometimes it is difficult. Sometimes you end up going back down that path even though you started that new path. But what we want to help challenge and encourage you today is to understand when we are in Christ that we don't have to carry any guilt or shame we can carry repentance and turning, and we can carry that conviction of knowing this is who I am, but the conviction isn't going to bring us into condemnation of trying to make us believe that that sin is a part of who we are. That's what the sin is trying to do. Just like in Hebrews 12, you know, what do we got our eyes on? Do we have our eyes fixed on this is, this is my past, this is the way I was. Are we fixed forward on who Jesus is? And are we convinced day by day, every day, that is who I am, that is who I am. The eyes of Jesus set on me, he's looking at me, he's smiling at me, he's inviting me forward into the next step of my day, the next step of my journey, whatever it is next, I have my eyes on Christ. That's who I am, that's who I am. Oh, am I stumbling? Nope, I'm looking up. My eyes are on Jesus, my eyes are on Jesus. That's who I am, that's who I am. And even in that in-between part, so sometimes we can even hear something like this and, and turn it into an action instead of an invitation of the Lord bringing our heart into some new places. So then if you're like start feeling sin and then you're like, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And you're like trying to like struggle yourself into belief like, no, 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 no. Like, we need to make sure that we allow a grace for ourselves and we allow the grace and the healing of the Holy Spirit to bring us on that process of even being, having love for ourselves and letting love in in that in-between process of the journey of learning who we are. Do you want to close us in prayer? Sure. So Jesus, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you that it is not by our own strength or power that we take authority over sin. We take authority over all the darkness and the evil and the things that would cause so much destruction in our, our communities and our families and our world. We take authority over it by your blood, Jesus, that covers over all sin. You died not just for some sins, not just for the easy sins, um, you died for all of it, every single thing that all humanity has ever done is what you died for, is what you covered 
in your divinity. And you have offered to us, Jesus, we know and we believe and we speak it to ourselves day by day in the secret place of our hearts, in the gentleness of the whisper of your spirit to know that we have accepted who you are into us, that we that is who we are, Jesus. And it's not something that we have to sit and think really hard about. It's something that we can rest in, like some like a child resting on his father's lap, looking up and knowing that one day I'm going to look just like him. And we thank you, Jesus, for who you are and how good a father you are to us every single day, teaching us, walking with us, and showing us how to make produce good fruit in this world. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And now we're going to apply that, right? We're going to meditate on it. And that's really interesting. I really like that. That's... But I, I'm going to need to meditate on it some more. What's the name of that book? Apprehended Identity by... Chris Gore. Chris Gore. G-O-R-E. Okay. But, but yeah, thank you, Peter and Linnea. I'm so thankful in this church. We mentioned church family earlier. <clears throat> For all of us. You know, all the... I mean, it's, there's so many different giftings. And that's one thing about it. We mention certain ones, certain times, but uh, each part is so important. Every part, and like the word says, a lot of times even the ones you don't see are pretty vital, you know. Uh, but I, I still want to say I'm thankful for giftings like we have seen here today again with the worship team and with you and for all of our worship teams that we have and all the different speakers. You know, I was mentioning Rob earlier, the message we had last week and we've had so many good ones and I'm just so thankful for that because they all bring a, an angle, a dimension or a part, something that is important for the whole. And so, anyway, thanks again. If uh, we do not have a meal today, but we want to just say, Lord, may the Lord's blessing be upon each one of you, even as we do fellowship and as we share together here. And uh, as we go out into the world, into the mission field, every person we meet is a part of that mission. And so let's go in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.